Hello and welcome to episode 34 of the Pure Tokyo Scope podcast. I am Patrick Macias, the author of Tokyo Scope, the Japanese cult film companion. And I'm Matt Alt, the author of Pure Invention, How Japan Made the Modern World. And I'm 34 too. No, I wish. I'm not 34 anymore. I'm just going to go cry quietly in the corner now. Please continue. Okay, so here we are again with news and features about stuff from Japan. I guess this is kind of a regular thing we've been doing since last year. <laughs> since day one. A regular thing we've been doing since day one, isn't it? Since we were born. Exactly. Have you been listening, people? This is going to be on the final test. As will this with our first news item. Matt, I was watching Abema TV this weekend. That's always that's always a good sign. And they interrupted the news to deliver a special investigative report report about women who are selling their used masks to a growing number of mask fetishists across Japan. Well, that's enough internet for today. As they say, wow. Selling used masks to mask fetishists. And part of this program, they uh, interviewed a 20-year-old woman who works part-time at a pachinko parlor who supplements her income selling her used masks at a thousand yen a pop. She sells them in sandwich bags that look like the way my mom used to pack my PB and J back in the day. (laughs) Oh God, don't mention food in the same. Okay. And uh, yeah, she'll uh, meet you under the railroad tracks. And uh, in some cases they will meet up in person. In some cases for an additional fee, you can talk to them on the phone for uh, 10 minutes. It's kind of like cameo.com, I guess. Wow. Is this like, how did you soil this mask? How did you, what diseases did you have while you were, I, it's funny, I, I don't know why this feels much grosser than than used panties. I mean, I guess the the fact that you could potentially die from getting an, a COVID infection is, is I wonder, is, is the potential of catching the actual COVID virus from a hot quote unquote woman part of the Force charm? Or the parlor part time? And sells you, and sells you soiled uh, hygiene products in, a, in sandwich baggies under the tracks? Wow. And they, you know, and they said romance was dead, Patrick. Yeah, biohazard. Um, I mean, you do see used masks all the time in the street, like in the gutter. So they're typically sold on Twitter. Okay. And I found a sample DM message. This was quoted by uh, Yahoo News. Thank you for your DM. Payment in advance by PayPay only. Shipping by letter pack or ordinary mail. It will be 500 yen plus shipping for three masks. With six, you get egg roll. No, actually doesn't say that. Man, uh, you know, I just finished watching the new David Cronenberg film, uh, Crimes of the Future. And there's a line in there from one of the characters is like, I, I'm not good at the old sex. I'm only good at the new sex. And this feels like this feels like it was minted out of a scene from a David Cronenberg film. It is body horror, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, this is definitely one of those tales from the dark side. As part of this investigative news show that ran on Abima TV, they interviewed kind of a mask pimp who's sort of a ringleader for the girls. He's there to ensure that the masks are not forgeries. He's basically the guy who makes sure that the, the girl actually has worn the mask and the lipstick stains on the one side of them are actually... Oh, man. Wow, what a job. What? What a job. Okay. I, uh, you know, I'm actually really curious. Is there any, are there any reports in here about what the, what the consumers get out of this? Do we, do we have any like, you know, on the, on the street, you know, reporting or any, anything like that? Well, the special I saw did not talk to a 
mask fetishist? Is that what they'd like to be identified as? But I think you found some text somewhere on your computer in a in a file you had hidden somewhere. <laughs> it was me. I admit it. This is me. No, this was on a, a spa. Do you know the, the tabloid magazine spa? Oh, I get all my news and information from spa uh, magazine. It's, yeah. it's the only, it's really, it's the only trustworthy medium, is it not? It's like Japan's- For inquiring minds, is that what <laughs> exactly. it is? Exactly. It's like the National Enquirer with less photos of, of like wolf babies in it. And uh, yes, do, do you Want to, do you want to read this? Should I read this? Let's get our uh, all-purpose AI voice to read the confessions of a mask fetishist. The biggest thing is the smell, combined with the visual of smeared lipstick and makeup. My favorite are old-school gauze masks. I buy most of mine through direct messages on Twitter now. Patrick, I love how much time we're spending on this. This is really the most important news to come out of Japan in uh, 2023. Although that same article was actually from 2022. It was a year old. We're actually late to the scoop. We may be late to the story, but the mass media is kind of picking this up and running with it. Again, this special I saw just ran this weekend, all weekend. They kept repeating it over and over and over <laughs> and over and over again. So now it's your turn. It, it's big. Yeah, big news. You know, like, like, you know, when planes hit like large buildings and things like that, just keep showing it over and over again. Ladies, please don't sell your used uh, sanitary products or do. I, I really, I don't know. <laughs> this is like, I, I, I'm, it's one of those rare times I'm at a loss for words. There you have it. Next time you come to Japan, people, keep an eye out for those girls with sandwich bags under the tracks behind pachinko parlors. <laughs> you, you never know what you might pick up and bring home in a variety of uh, senses of the word. Okay, moving on to our next story. Matt, last week was coming of age day. I'd like to congratulate you for becoming 20 years old. Thank you. Now you're an adult. I'm a big grown up now. Can you explain coming of age day? I still don't really understand uh, all the wacky national holidays well, it's just, here in Japan. It's just that in in Japan, uh, unlike in the West, where like you know in America, I guess it's either eighteen to be an adult for voting and then twenty one to drink. In Japan, it's all lumped together. At the age of twenty, you are officially an adult, legally speaking. And most, if not all, municipalities throw these coming of age ceremonies for the citizens who are turning 20. And it's traditional to show up, you know, guys show up in their suits and, you know, uh, girls show up, you know, either either dressed really formally or in their kimonos. Sometimes there's a lot of kimono wearing going on. And it's kind of a, a, a like a, I wouldn't call it a prom because it's actually like an a, a official, like the governments throw these things. And like, you know, kind of dignitaries come up and say, you know, congratulations on becoming an adult and, you know, and, and everybody gets a, a little formal uh, diploma kind of thing saying that they've come of age. Uh, that's you know, it's ceremonial. It's not like you carry that around and show it or anything. And actually, I was living in Japan when I turned 20, and I was invited to a local coming of age ceremony uh, near Kamata, where I was staying at the time. Uh, being a student on my own and not really having anybody to kind of guide me through this, I didn't go. Now I'm kind of regretting that. Uh, and most of them are pretty low key affairs, but there is one place in Japan where they have gotten progressively more wild, and that is Kitakyushu. And I'm not exactly sure why, but Kitakyushu is a place where when the kids participate in the coming of age ceremony, they dress in incredibly wild hairstyles and fashions. You know, like those punch perms and regents, like for the guys, and like they look like rich Yankee. I mean, it, yeah, it looks, you could have, you could have told me that these 
people were being photographed or filmed like 30 years ago, 30 or 40 years ago. Like, cause they have, they're wearing sunglasses. They have those like crazy Kishi down hairdos. Yep. They're, uh, they're going aura aura about everything all the time. Yeah. It, it's kind of, it reminds me a lot of like what the Harajuku street scene used to be when they'd close it off and like all those like greasers would come out dancing and stuff, but it's not, they're not dressed like greasers. Their hair, a lot of these guys is greaser type. Uh, but their outfits are like, I don't know, it looks like something like Go Hiromi or something would wear or like a, or like a, like a twisted sister slash uh, uh, Enka singer, like these gold lame kimonos and like fur and like sunglasses. It's really wild. I don't know why Kita Kyushu, I looked into this and I don't know why Kita Kyushu has become this epicenter for kind of wild behavior, but it's actually been a problem for a while. Like, you know, the municipalities want these to be kind of sedate, what do you want to call it? Like official ceremonies and stuff. And of course, everywhere kids, after they finish, they go out drinking and stuff like that. But the ceremonies themselves tend to be pretty you know, I don't know, stately affairs. In Kitakyushu, they've gotten so wild that the local government down there has kind of split them up so that like there's not too many people in the same building at the same time. And as wild as they get up there, uh, this year apparently made headlines nationwide as multiple dresses ruined in shocking coming-of-age day attacks. A rare criminal incident has marred coming-of-age day for at least seven victims whose expensive clothes were ruined by an unknown assailant. A young woman reports that, on her way home from the ceremony, she purchased a monorail ticket. That's when she noticed a black stain on her sleeve. Upon further inspection, she noticed that several parts of her dress, including her belt, her socks, and her shoes, were stained with an ink-like black liquid. The woman filed a report with police. Soon after, additional reports of stained clothes flowed in. Broadcast morning news programs in Japan report that the total number of victims has risen to seven. Nasty stuff. It's really nasty stuff because, you know, these are kids, right? And most of them, this isn't their own kimono. They're renting them. And those things are expensive to rent. And you have to put down a down deposit. You know what I mean? If you bring them back ruined, you have to pay for the whole thing. And kimono are expensive. They're really expensive. I know this because Hiroko has gotten into uh, wearing... You know, studying and wearing kimono and stuff like that. So this is really nasty stuff to throw ink on somebody's kimono. It's like a really big deal. Yeah, the total number of victims has risen to seven and there's no leads on who the perp is. So uh, if you're wearing a kimono this weekend out there in Kitakyushu, watch your back. It's it's funny, This it's such a passive aggressive way of like lashing out. And I remember about 10 or so years back, there was a sort of unrelated but similar series of attacks where somebody was throwing ink or acid on... Shinto shrines and and like it was they never caught the person but it was assumed that they were somebody with a grudge against Shinto you know maybe they were of some other religion or something like that and it was just really nasty that and Buddhist temples too actually they would throw ink on the on the on the sides of the buildings or on like statues or on things like that and uh, this this kind of reminds me of that but it's just a very I don't know passive aggressive nasty thing to do I hope those uh, girls uh, find some way to get their kimono fixed instead of having to replace them yeah the victim was quoted as saying, I want to know what the perpetrator was thinking. I'm pissed. So hell hath no fury. Definitely. Bad news. So next time you go down to Kita Kyushu, people, don't throw ink on people's kimono. Seriously, it's just it's just bad news. Okay, well, here's some good news, Matt. Following up on last week's news story about McDonald's Japan raising their prices, family restaurant Saizeria assures us they will not raise their prices. Wow, shots fired. 
Shots fired from one family rest over and well, McDonald's isn't a family restaurant, but still, it is kind of, isn't it? I don't know. That's interesting, though. That's a good way to differentiate yourself to sit there and wait for other companies to desperately raise their prices, and then you don't. Can I can I ask you something? Do you? you I'm not a huge family rest family restaurant uh, goer in Japan. Are you a Saizeria fan? Are you? What's what's your family restaurant of choice? I think it has to be Saizeria, Matt. With prices this low, they must be insane. Okay, because there's only one there's only one metric for me when it comes to food: cheapness. How cheap is it? <laughs> it's real cheap. Let me go over some menu items at Saizeria for you, Matt. Okay, so they're they're famous for their doraya. Their meat sauce doraya is three hundred yen. A margarita pizza pie is four hundred yen. Wow. Hamburg steak four hundred yen. And here's where things start to get interesting because probably now you're getting thirsty, right? Wine by the glass is a hundred yen. Oh my god, it must be really good wine. And a decanter is two hundred yen. <laughs> okay. And how much for a giant magnum that you can like pour over the entire table after you've had three? It's probably like, it's probably a thousand yen. Isn't it basically like one tiny step up over airline food? Well, to me, the big catch about Saizeria is the portions are tiny. Like to fill yourself up, you need to eat about three of those pizzas. Right, right. So it's kind of like tapas style where everybody orders a bunch of stuff and puts it in the middle of the table. Is that, or do you just go in and order like 10 dishes for yourself? That's a cool way of doing it too. So I'm not a Saizeria guy. I will eat at them in a pinch, but uh, little kids love them because of the drink bar, right? You can drink as much melon soda as you possibly can. And old people love it because they can get a glass of wine for a hundred yen. And there's nothing better than that, actually. You know, the only time I really ever went to family restaurants is when we were doing shoots for Japanology Plus. And like one of the directors was like absolutely obsessed with family restaurants. He would always want to go to a family. I was always, can we get ramen, please? And like, oh, no, no, we got to go to the family restaurant. There is one called Jonathan's. Do you know? Oh, I know Jonathan's. Yeah, Jonathan's has the robot waiters that I'm obsessed with. Yes. And also it has what many believe is the best fried chicken of, of of a fast food variety in Japan. There are some people out there who say that it's even better than Kentucky Fried Chicken's chicken. Now that's shots fired. I have not had Jonathan's famous fried chicken. I mean, basically, I will now try to eat the cheapest family restaurant food I possibly can, and Saizeria is winning that battle. And thank God that they're not raising their prices, because like every time I turn on the TV or like read the news here in Japan, it's like prices are going up, up, up. And Saizeria will still offer the same mediocre food at the same low prices. And they lived happily ever after. Do you think Shakey's is going to raise their price? I was, I was, you know what? I wasn't going to say it. I was not going to bring them up, but you did. Now that you did, this is actually the, the, the moment we have to watch. We have to watch Shakey's. Are you listening? Is the CEO of Shakey's listening to this podcast? I hope so. We need to go there and just ask him point blank. Hey man. No spoilers, but this year is the, the 50th anniversary anniversary of them coming to Japan. So I think we need to have a very special episode at some point filmed, recorded live before a studio audience. If they raise their prices, we can get right up in their faces and say, hey man, so Zuri kept their prices the same way as you guys have to raise them. Where's your drink bar, bro? The world's greatest pizza. Isn't that what they used to call it back in Sacramento, California, made by Shaky Johnson? They sell food folks and fun. What does Caesarea sell? Decanters of wine for 200 yen, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's actually something. That's it's it's a wino's delight. Is that what you call that? Is that I'm sure it's 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 completely organic, natural. What's the vintage on that? Have you ever asked what the vintage? I'm sure there's a vineyard somewhere in the south of Italy where they like crush the grapes with their feet and stuff like that. There's a line in in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas where they're driving around looking for the American dream, and they come across this place where it's like three tacos for a dollar or something, and and 
<laughs> and even even as completely like blitzed as Hunter S. Thompson is, like, I don't want three tacos for a dollar. I want one taco for a dollar. Yeah, but if you buy five or more used cold masks, you can get like an extra one for free. Is it true the wine there can cure you of whatever illness you pick up from wearing a, a soiled mask? Shakey's is shaking up pizza people. Shakey's is baking up new kinds of pizza. You know what time it is? It's time to turn back the clock to a long forgotten era. The last six months of 2022. Are you ready? Because we covered the first six months in the last episode. This is part two of our 2002 in review covering August to December. Things that happened in Japan, things we wish didn't happen in Japan, but they did anyway. Some exciting highlights of the year that was. So let's get right into it here with August and the unforgettable One Piece riots in France. Yeah, that was a moment, was it not? So this is this is the film One Piece Red. And so One Piece Red opens up in, you know, the subtitle or dubbed, I don't even know what it was, version opens in France. And there's footage of kids just going absolutely crazy in the theater. <laughs> Well, I think they were just excited to be back in the theater, right? Everyone had been like kind of cooped up for like two to three years. So they've just, the smell of popcorn must have just kind of led to like stronger things. This links to something that's actually in the headlines right now, which is that Netflix announced its most streamed show of last year was not its flagship fantasy, Stranger Things. The most streamed show on Netflix last year was... One Piece. It's amazing to me. I mean, One Piece is like 20 years old. It's not new. Those jump properties are like the Energizer Bunny. They just keep going and going and going. I mean, Dragon Ball is like 40 years old and it's still really big. Naruto's got to be 20 plus years old. Moving on to our next highlight of August or low light, Japan's population falls to a record low in August 2022. Is Japan also sinking? I wish the prices would sink a little bit lower. You'd think with a lower population that prices would also drop, but they're not. So this isn't actually a huge surprise. You know, Japan has one of the lowest fertility rates in the world. Fertility rate, by the way, is nothing more than a number that says how many babies each baby producing person in a population needs to have to keep the population stable. And that number is 2.1. Just so you know, America's is 1.6. So we are below the, the level of sustainability for maintaining a population size. Japan's is like 1.3. So it's less than America's. But it's actually not the lowest in the world. The lowest in the world is South Korea, which is something like 0.8. Who are these people having like the 0.1 kid? Yeah, it's a fr- it's tough to have a fractional child. They're either like only one foot tall or they're like, you know, Mephilus Sejin in uh, Ultraman. They're like two-dimensional. You know, it's tough. It's it's those, the schools for two-dimensional children. Are, it's just, it's a thing. Also in August, we had to say goodbye to a couple of big name Japanese celebrities, fashion designer Issey Miyake and anime voice actor Kiyoshi Kobayashi, who's not only an anime voice actor, but also a tokusatsu voice actor. He was the voice of Dr. Gory in Spectre Man. And Jigen in uh, Lupin the Third, And correct? Talos in Crusher Joe. Oh, he's Talos. Wow, yes. You know, you probably said that last time and it shocked me too. 
Issei Miyake is a big name. I mean, he's like one of those movers and shakers who really transformed the way that Japanese fashion was seen abroad. I wish we could bring on a certain W. David Marks to help contextualize this, but no time. No time for love, Dr. Jones. We have to rush forward to September when Japan opened its borders again, quote, for reals, unquote. Yes, for real. So this is when the horde started coming in. All you people who are listening to this podcast started like rolling in waves, human waves, like the end of World War Z, like when those kind of fast zombies are forming piles on top of one another. And like, we're at the ramparts, like shooting like Chogokin rocket punches down yeah, at People you. started like ringing my doorbell in the middle of the night and be like, hey man, you got any city pop records? Got any city pop <laughs> records? Got any city pop records? <laughs> Do you know when the next One Piece Red showing is? When's the next One Piece Red showing? I need to riot. You know, I remember back then noticing like almost instantly, like it was this, this pent up demand. It was crazy. Like I think most countries normally open their borders and people are like, huh, Japan opened its borders and it was just wild. Like you'd go on the streets in Shibuya and suddenly I'm like, oh, hey. And like all these people I hadn't seen in years showed up, you know, we went out drinking, you know, we went out, we caught COVID together. It was great. And uh, now the borders are still open. Yeah, get vaccinated and come back and wear a mask, uh, maybe your own, and buy one off the street out of a sandwich bag. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you can fund if you are a if you are a young woman, you can probably fund your entire trip to Japan by selling soiled uh, hygiene products, including masks, to people on the street. The thing is, yes, you do have to be you have to have your triple vax to come in. I think they will let you in if you're not triple vax, but you have to actually test beforehand and on, on the border. And that really makes it annoying to go through customs because everybody had to test for a while. And like, they don't test you and say, okay, we'll get back to you with the results. Like they, they swab you and then you have to sit there and wait for them to like culture your, what's the, what's the line from, from blue velvet. You, you put your disease inside me. Um, you have to wait for the, you have to wait for the uh, culture to come through. So it, like, it takes you many hours to clear customs. Also as part of the test, you have to assemble uh, a high level Gundam kit without any glue or any paint or instructions. That's the real trick. So you, you guys better brush up. Okay, in October, it was the death of Antonio Inoki, an iconic Japanese wrestler gone to the great squared circle in the sky. And now people have to slap themselves to ignite their fighting spirit. <laughs> yeah, he was a slapper. He was a slapper, was he not? He would slap you to ignite your fighting spirit. And that always works with me, usually when I wake up in the morning. Did he do that to Saddam Hussein? He famously, so Antonio Inoki in, in 89 or 90, I believe, actually got elected to the House of Representatives in Japan and famously negotiated with, with Saddam Hussein to get uh, Japanese hostages released. Did you know that? The more you know. That's true. That's true. And knowing is half the battle. So I'm hoping he slapped our favorite long dead dictator. You sure it was Saddam Hussein and not the Iron Sheik? <laughs> it's easy to confuse them. I know. Like I, you know, I, I certainly do. Maybe it was. Was the Iron Sheik holding Japanese tourists hostage? It's, entire, it's entirely possible. Okay, moving forward to November. Ghibli Park opens in Aichi. How many times have you been, Patrick? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, so A, Aichi is pretty far away from Tokyo, people. Um, So, and B, it... It, I have been hearing pretty mixed things about this park in the in the months since it's opened. Like it's it's not a park with like rides. It's recreations of animated sets from Ghibli series. So it's you can sit next to a statue of No Face. You can hang out like yes. in the bathhouse from Spirited Away. It looks like something like a, a YouTuber or an Instagrammer would love and maybe no one else. It's like an Instagram park. And I can't tell whether this is is like a huge missed opportunity or genius. 
I, I don't know. I, I personally don't have a huge like vested interest in going and sitting next to statuary of anime characters. Although I have been known to do it from time to time. Did you see that picture of me with Shar Aznable from uh, the Bandai headquarters? That was pretty hot. But I don't know. I, who knows? You know, I'm sure they're laughing all the way to the bank. It still seems pretty popular. I remember on opening day, they had this news footage of a report. And uh, Hayao Miyazaki himself, he kind of like wandered on camera, just like passing by, like in the background. Like no one knew who he was for some reason. It should have been like Walt Disney, like when Disneyland opened and like make a big speech dedicated to all the children of the world to have a big parade with all the characters. But instead he just kind of wandered in front of the camera. God, it's so Ghibli. Like their ads were up everywhere for a while. And they said, it's probably the only theme park in the world where the tagline on the ad was Yukurikitene, which is like, basically, please don't come. Like take your time, <laughs> take your time, don't rush. Like, we don't really want you here. That, that's that's an exaggeration. We don't want you here. But I don't know. I, the, the whole thing to me just seems really, what's it? it's very cat-like, you know? It's like when you look at it, it looks away. When you try to get close, it goes away. And then like when you're sitting there trying to do something else, the cat comes and sits on you. It's, it's I don't know. Ghibli really has that feel to me. Sticking with the subject of anime, in December, director Makoto Shinkai's Suzume breaks 10 billion at the box office. 10 billion shekels? 10 billion Mexican pesos? I don't know. 10 billion masks? Well, we know this because they put ads up all over the trains that said that. Nothing about the movie, nothing about the characters, nothing about the plot. Just 10 billion, keep putting them on the table. Suzume is clearly a huge hit, but I don't really feel it like trending in society the way something like Demon Slayer Mugen Train were like... You know, it just completely yeah. took over popular culture here in Japan. Like, Suzume is clearly a big, big, big movie, but I don't feel it in the air. Has it led to any riots yet in the theater? It's no Urotsuki Doji, Patrick. I think we can we can safely say that. It's interesting, you know, Makoto Shinkai is like the most successful director of anime whose, like, films don't feel particularly like things I want to watch. I can't tell if it's like that. I just am not interested in these like retellings and retellings of coming of age stories again, because I came of age, Patrick, I'm a grown up. I've got big boy pants and everything. So I don't know whether that's like what it is or whether actually not that influential back in the day, you know, Miyazaki Hao, everybody kind of aspired to be Miyazaki Hayao, like, and kind of get that whimsicality mixed with like kind of love for machinery and like, you know, the, the kind of modern day fairy tales, like into their own films. I don't know that Shinkai, like Shinkai stuff is Shinkai stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think if you can find a way to make the same movie over and over and over again, then you basically, you've got the golden goose. And I think that's what a lot of these guys have done to some extent. Well, it's funny because Jump's formula is basically the same thing. Like you have a kid who has no power and then kind of like trains and becomes super powerful and joins some, and then stumbles across some organization of equally powerful people. And then like you kind of go adventuring yourselves. Like Jump stuff is really one pattern too, but they seem to, I don't know, they, they seem more interesting than this. I, I, I don't know. And I haven't, look, you know, I'm being a jerk. I'm being a big jerk. I have not seen Suzume. I have not seen a Makoto Shinkai film since Your Name because I kind of feel like that was enough. I don't know. Like, I feel like I saw the Makoto Shinkai film. Whereas like the next jump thing might be a little different. The good news is he has enough money to grind out another film in the next two years or something like that. So we'll see. Is the protagonist going to be a woman who is forced to sell soiled masks? 
I would see that. I would, that would actually be edgy and interesting. She meets this guy who's like a mask pimp. He's like a high school student by day and like a mask pimp by night. And like there's some sort of like ancient kind of prophecy about them and all sorts of wacky things happen. It mixes a little bit of tradition in there as well. Like a coming of age day kimono is involved at some point. Mask pimp sounds like one of those like William Gibson, like one of those jobs William Gibson would put in one of his books. Like lamp editor. Wasn't one of his characters a lamp editor? Like back in time, that sounded so... High, it's, it's like sci-fi, high-tech that somebody would be editing the 3D data for a product. But now I guess it's... And, you know, in the future, we're all going to be mask pimps. So do you... You know, this is an interesting question. I'm actually, you know, okay, 10 billion yen movie, Suzume, that I don't really hear talked about in any of my circles of anime friends. And actually, my, like, admittedly, like, decrepit middle-aged, like myself, anime friends aren't the target audience of this of Makoto Shinkai's films. They're not. I, I don't really see Shinkai being venerated at, like, in Mandarake, in, in Nakano Broadway or anything like that. I mean, Nakano Broadway, of course, is aimed at middle-aged otakus. Maybe that's kind of self-selecting that way too did you have you been to akihabara recently are there like giant like makoto shinkai posters up are there like huge numbers of you know figures or anything like that these films don't feel like otaku movies at all but they're they are huge hits clearly they make just as much money if not more than the more kind of shonen jumpy or the more kind of like otaku baiting stuff but yeah it's it's interesting that it's anime but it's not really consumed at the same way in the same places what's interesting because shinkai's stuff came from like a super otaku sort of like didn't he sort of invent that whole sekai k thing where it's like a sekai and it's so difficult to define it's like about like disempowered guys and superpowered like women sort of genre it's just interesting to me because manga and anime have always been about this sort of adolescent angst and it's always been sort of there's always been a sort of even in like Miyazaki stuff a sort of edginess to it and Miyazaki's work it's 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 kind of like uh he wears his politics on his sleeve and and there's that kind of edge to it Shinkai just feels like I, what is after I see one of his films I'm always like well what did I okay like boy meets girl Okay, you know, I, I don't usually come out with any kind of, you know, deeper like, wow, I really want to see that again, which made it really tough. I had to watch your name like three or four times more than that. I wrote like I was hired to write a review of it for the New Yorker years back when it came out. And I was just like, oh, man. And you know, <laughs> like, why couldn't you hire me to write a review of Crusher Joe? And it was tough. It was like, it didn't reward repeated viewings. Like it, it felt like once you'd seen it, I, I don't want this to be a bash on Makoto Shinkai thing. You made 10 billion at the box office. Congratulations. So December ended with the revelation of the word of the year, which turned out to be war. The kanji for war was the word of the year in Japan. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Um, It's actually pronounced Ikusa. And that was an interesting pick. It kindled my fighting spirit. It hit me like an Antonio Inoki slap when it was announced. But now, then then December 31st came and, you know, we're not fighting anymore. We're just kind of existing. Maybe this year, the word of the year will be tonkatsu or something happier like that. <laughs> Ton, just just the, the word for pork. I, could, I can get behind that. I'm a big pork fan. And on that note, that's 2022. Like famous deaths, famous anime, pork, war. That's it. Well, no, you know, of course, let's, well, I'm going to say it again because it bears repeating. The biggest moment of 2022 was, of course, the launching of this podcast. Because I know it's, it's like now a cornerstone of so many millions of people's lives around the world today. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I, I'm, I'm happy that we managed to make that happen. Tokyo Scope was only the beginning. Uh, Matt and I are going to do a dedicated, uh, ex non-exclusive podcast starting real soon. 
available on all your favorite platforms such as Spotify, Apple, Atari 2600, Atari 2600 Sega Genesis, In television, uh, the game, the Wonder Swan. Well, the good news about the new podcast is that we're going to have an evil producer. We have an after, yes. we have an Ayashi producer who's going to keep us in line and uh, push us towards success. And my vision of success is getting sponsorship from like a. I'm thinking Pizza Law. If I can just keep buying, keep me in Gashapons, man. Then I'm fine. That's so we're do. we're gonna we're gonna shoot for the moon. We're gonna play high noon. We're gonna take on the entire human race. What an episode it was, Patrick. Episode 34. You getting excited for 35? 35's coming up. I'm so excited. I think I'm gonna head to Caesarea and order 35 glasses of wine. Hot tip, man. Hot tip. You can mix it with melon soda and make a cocktail. <laughs> God, that's like that. Almost this is that's that. What I just said is freaking me out almost as much as the concept of wearing somebody else's disposable mask. And on that happy note, thanks for listening to our show. Continue to support us. Continue to spread the good word about Pure Tokyo Scope, and we will catch you on our next. See episode. you next time. have come to Wendy's. Six special edition GoBots, 99 cents each with any purchase. Six mighty robots disguised as mighty vehicles. There's a different GoBot each week at Wendy's. Special edition GoBots, 99 cents each with any purchase.